Hey there. As of the time this episode is going out on the early release feed, uh, shit is really bad in Texas because of the ice storm and, frankly, uh, the government's and power companies' complete indifference to helping people, seemingly. Uh, and it's not likely to be too much better by the time this reaches the uh, public feed. So instead of doing a call to action uh, for selfish stuff, just going to say take this moment to look into various mutual aid funds uh, in uh, Texas, Austin Mutual Aid, Dallas Mutual Aid. Uh, Feed the People Dallas is a uh, is a really good one uh, based on what I can find. Uh, do some research and see if you can throw some uh, throw some money at that direction because uh, nobody's going to take care of us if we don't take care of each other. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to the February Dispatch episode for Watch Out for Fireballs, our monthly Q&A, listener response, game announcement topic <laughs> show. It is a whole thing. We're going to read your, we're going to answer your questions, respond to your prompts, have a topic. Um, and February has a lot of games. It feels like it was forever ago that we talked about Monster Train, Gary. It really does. Yeah. You know, and somebody uh, mentioned Monster Train, which means I got to fire up a quick game. I got to yeah, go in and do just an, just an hour long run. Um, yeah. that, that would be a disaster. if I fired that up now because I have I, it's, yeah. I've, I've lost my mojo on that, man. I uh, it's everything been too long. Break. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, definitely still have my mojo. I'm waiting for that DLC. Yes. But um, yeah, we're going to go ahead. And of course, we're going to announce uh, April's games mm-hmm. as well uh, at the end. Koi Boys, uh, you can wait until the end. I'm actually going to reveal one letter of each uh, <laughs> game, of uh, the title of each game in every sentence I do, and then not say it. So mm-hmm. you have to get the Reddit detectives uh, yep. on the case. Yeah. Because you know, uh, we're, we're sick of people just going. I'm not sick of it at all. I can't no, keep this no, up. No, no. I have the energy for this. <laughs> no. Um, the, <laughs> let's, uh, let's just instead get into it and stop fucking around like a couple of jackasses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Brock. Sorry. Yeah. I, I'm dealing with an especially energetic Dottie. She is literally like running along vertical surfaces as though they were the floors. Uh, like wall and, jumping? Yeah. And uh, is biting at my arms very viciously. Mm. If I close the door, she will scratch and scream. So. Yeah. Yeah. Be un- become ungovernable. <laughs> just inarticulate yelling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just I, I love it. Yeah. I, lo- oh, I really God. respect cats. Yeah. Just uh, I got off too easy with Greta and Dottie as being mm-hmm. Spice Cat today. Yeah. Uh, I'll get to start here with Doug. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug asks, the indie space seems to be fertile ground for old genres to get new spiritual successors. Is there an old genre that you feel deserves a revisit? Rhythm games, rhythm games. Yeah, that's a, I mean, people, people really like that Fuser game. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently that's, that's pretty fun, but I, I don't like a lot of pop music. That's the thing. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I have to like the music to like a rhythm game, Yes, which is, uh, not everybody is like that, but I have to. Mm-hmm. 
So I would really like a new Rhythm Heaven of some kind. Yes, that that I would like an indie take on Rhythm Heaven. It wouldn't have to be long. I just want like mm-hmm. catchy beats and fun little like setups for your for mini games and stuff. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in terms of like old genres that aren't represented now, that's probably the main one I can think of. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we get a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, things now. Like mm-hmm. I feel like there aren't very many genres I can think of where it's like, oh, we don't get that type of game. Yeah. Like I would have said like golf game, but those are, those are kind of, you know, like they're, they're just kind of always not. there. Yeah. Like they, yeah. Just, they just announced the Mario golf yesterday, you know? Yeah. Like it's still continuing. Would have said tactics cause those are kind of rare, but they announced mm-hmm. a new tactics game. Yeah. So hopefully that's fun. Hopefully, yeah. Um, and oh yeah, Dottie, Dottie just yanked one of my sound panels off the wall. I love Dottie so much. <laughs> I, I'm just such a fan of Dottie trying to destroy this network. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry yeah. to have her interrupt. She just, she yeah. literally, she looked up at it. She looked up at the paneling uh, and then just was like, fuck this. And jumped up. We live in a new society. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, <laughs> jumped up, sunk all four of her claws into it and then pulled it off the Velcro. <laughs> yes. Yes. So. <laughs> just like me me sicko's shirt outside your window just like yes yes oh, greta get in here get your boy mm. come on <laughs> so, uh let's see here paul writes how does procedural generation affect your immersion in games i started daggerfall on a recommendation from the dusk developer and while i like the flavor i find i'm needing to suspend my disbelief deliberately to get over the knowledge that the world is generated by a computer uh it's not the same as uh being in a designed space with proper names and local lore uh it's an issue that i've had with recent games uh like big robot titles sir you are being hunted and the light keeps us safe games that otherwise be super excited about we happy few is another prime example yeah um i don't i we we talked about this a lot when we covered dead cells yes you know i remember that coming up like i a procedurally generated world is something that i can dig for the right type of game but can do Mm -hmm. a lot of damage in the wrong type of game um i mean operatively like remnant is kind of running into that for me a little bit you know mm -hmm. I can see it. Like yeah. I, I need to still revisit. I'm still making my, my progress on that mm-hmm. to talk about it, but it's, you know, sir, you're being hunt, being hunted, which is a game I didn't, didn't love, but I thought the randomness worked for that because it was like, Oh, I'm going to reroll. I'm going to roll up a world. Yeah. And it's yeah. going to procedurally have these things, but other games, you know, like a remnant where I'm expecting sense of place and level design yeah. to be a little bit more intentional. It can be a huge bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't necessarily affect my immersion, you know, so much because it's very hard. Like something that feels very designed is also very immersion breaking to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we just, we talked about the last of us this month and it's like, Oh, I just went into a courtyard full of waist high walls. Like, <laughs> I know what happens here. Uh, but immersion is one of those things to you that I, I think that, uh, my gamer psychographic does not value as much as some other people. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I just, for, for, for me, how does it affect it? I think that you know, there are a lot of things that are like procedurally generated that, you know, like they're the, the, the forest in oblivion or proc gen, right? Like mm-hmm. each of those trees is not placed there. I just, I think that it's just a matter of, is it appropriate? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, kind of a bummer, but does not necessarily affect immersion for me. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be such a shit. Good advice. One word. 
Uh, yeah, such a shit. <laughs> uh, and it says, uh, earlier this year, I blind bought Yoku's Island Express on an eShop sale, and while I would try to save my blown away for once-in-a-lifetime types of experiences, I was so thoroughly stuck swept up in the chemistry of metroidvania meets pinball a couple of days and 10 hours of play later i got one of the most satisfying 100 percents in my gaming life i'll save my gushing over the game for another time but i quickly realized how often in the past pinballifying a game can work for me despite not actually caring about pinball itself both pokemon pinball games as well as mario pinball land were big hits for me in the younger years and hold up for me today my question is what oddball genre hybrids have snuck up on you and been a hit roguelike card game <laughs> strategy yeah. game kind of thing monster train monster train snuck up on me monster train is good yeah it's good mm -hmm. um yeah i like uh you know card uh the first card strategy game mm -hmm. so metal gear acid games yeah yeah that's a really weird hybrid and those i remember really loving those games i'm scared to revisit because i don't want to be talky bullshit right from right. A, a pretentious ass did you but did you I, forget that that was there yeah yeah, I, I just, I, I don't want to have that experience, but that's a really weird mashup mm -hmm. um, that I really love. And th this kind of genre stuff is, is rad as hell. Yeah. You know, like it, and it's really in. So like, yeah, at one point, you know, Isaac or Gungeon were this as well, mm -hmm. like dual stick shooter plus uh, procedural dungeon crawler. Yeah. 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 Mm hmm can't can't, yeah. can't can't say that adding pinball to something uh, works especially well for me, but I had never heard of those Yoku's Island Express. You know. It's supposed to be very fun. Riff is a, a huge fan of it. Mm. Um, it looks neat. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Wizorb, the RPG breakout. Oh, game from like 2012. Oh shit! Yeah, Wizorb. Yeah, that game's huh. good. Yeah, I remember liking that quite a bit. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Ethan writes, as a collector of consoles and games with an ever-increasing physical and virtual backlog, I am often confronted with the paralysis of choice. Time is uh, time is so limited, uh, and with so many games to play, both old and new, I often find myself starting a game, uh, playing it a bit, and then getting the urge to play a different game for fear of missing out. Uh, I am sure as podcasters, it helps uh, uh, since so much of what you play is dictated by the demands of your shows. But I figured I would ask anyway, how do you deal with the paralysis of choice? Uh, do what you feel. Do what feels good. Yeah, do what do what you feel. <laughs> yeah. Be like the boy. Be like boy. Uh, I do what I feel like. <laughs> um, I, I try not to, um, when I am playing video games for pleasure and not for mm -hmm. work, I do my absolute best not to force any square pegs through a round hole. Yeah. Um, you know, the idea that like I should be playing this is something I try to divest myself of. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that requires killing the sunk cost part of you, Yeah. be it either in terms of hours or in money. Like yep. I have just kind of come to peace with the dissonance of having my steam library and my GOG library yes, uh, and my Epic library just being full of games that I'm in, ostensibly interested in, but may never get a chance to play. Right. And I know I say this a lot, but the way that I made peace with that is realizing that I'm not going to get a chance to do everything no matter what. Nope. So it's kind of arbitrary, which things I'm going to get a chance to do. I've already played the, a number of Assassin's Creed games. I'm currently just mm -hmm. replaying the Ezio ones because I like those games. I wanted something open mm -hmm. world, and those are comforting. I, like I don't need there's there are more things that I could be playing besides Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, but it's a good it's a good ass game, and I'm having fun just like dipping into it and doing like a couple of sequences. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Just do what yeah. feels good. I used to do like backlog management kind of stuff. Like oh, I need a list of this. Now what I do is I just keep a list of all the games that I've beaten. 
and like keep yeah. it separated by year so i can look and see oh like this is the stuff that i beat this year that's cool that's part of my story <laughs> you know yeah so like that backward well, looking part of it has helped get rid of the fear of missing out because i do play stuff you know there's literally there's literally like it's literally our jobs to play games but when it's not my job to play a game i don't want to feel like it is no <laughs> you know and and there's kind of you know as i get older i get a little like less sympathetic to the responsibility angle of art right right you know? and not because i i think that you shouldn't take in enriching stuff like you shouldn't read enriching books or difficult books or watch difficult movies and such mm -hmm. it's that doing it under duress is a really bad way to do it it's a it's a great and way to I, like resent good books you like it like you did yeah. in high school when they made you read books well, that are good frankenstein yeah, rules. It, it sucks to read in 10th grade <laughs> yeah it, it, like i would have a much better time if i just you know wait to see if i come around to it mm -hmm. and if i don't i'm going to come around to other stuff instead and it's fine mm -hmm. you know there, there's nothing wrong with that like yeah i have been getting back into reading um like via audiobook so yeah, yeah. kind of but um it's felt really good to do that and the the pathway for me into that was like tragedy and darkness uh -huh. you know just like learning about that stuff and you know you could get like oh like you're reading a second book about Chernobyl when you haven't read an infinite just. And it's like, well, I don't, I don't want to, Yeah, it's not interesting to me right now. And it may be really good, but if I force myself to do it, mm -hmm. I'm not going to turn around. That's a great way to make sure um, nobody's happy. <laughs> it, so that's what it feels like. It's yeah. like, I'm, I'm just going to be cranky about it. And there are people who don't think that way. They're like, Oh no, no. I think it's really important to like make yourself do these kind of things. And I just, I don't agree. Well, I like, don't, I don't you know, tell you. I, how I was to told do recently shit. that I'll die someday. <laughs> yeah. You know, like important. I don't want to make myself do shit. Like I, you know, like <laughs> I'll, I'll do other stuff instead. And if I die having not, you know, watched Hannibal, it's okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll be okay. I'll be just, you know, just as much life as you, you yeah. know, I'm just also happy and good. I did other stuff instead. Yeah. You know, I, I did other stuff instead. The Gary Butterfield story. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a, it's just, it's such a, it's such a weird false scarcity. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's, it's like the, it is scarcity, but it, it's this weird patronizing thing of like imposing on someone else, how they should prioritize literally the only valuable thing in the world, you mm -hmm. know, which, which is like, you're allotted so much life to, to experience things. And the idea of, you know, Oh man, I can't believe that you haven't read like all of the classics. Like that's incredibly important for someone to read all of the classics of literature to read yeah. the Western canon. And I'm like, well, you know, I only get so many fucking tokens, man. Yeah. Like yeah. you just, you unleash me in an arcade with $5 worth of quarters and like, yes, I should play Pac-Man and break out mm -hmm. and you know, Arkanoid and Mappy and stuff, but maybe I just want to go play street fighter for a little bit. Maybe, and, maybe I want to play house of the dead the for the hundredth time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Yeah. It'll be okay. Yeah. Well, think about um, it this way. If you feel like you're missing out specifically because of social pressure or whatever, anybody who wants to talk about something that is currently like in the in the moment, they've got plenty of people to talk about it with. Complete strangers, yeah. people that they know, etc. If you if you take a couple of years to, you know, get down the road to like play something and you say, "Oh, I just played X, Y, or Z." The reaction that you're going to get is, "Oh, I love that." And then you can talk to them yeah. about it, or that person will um turn you into a specimen and say, oh my God, I wish I could play that for the first time. Let me like get your, you know, let's talk yeah. about it so I can, you know, see it through fresh eyes with you. The thing about the conversation the is like, yes, it's going to move on. It is a river. You never step in the same one twice, but you can always just start a new one with somebody else that you care about. <laughs> like you're not yeah. going to like uh, isolate yourself. You, you know, you're, you're still going to find a way to connect to people. So. Yeah. And, and it's like the social pressure and don't internalize that pressure. Yeah. 
you know, like, 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 yes, there can be social pressure to that, but don't do that to yourself. The world will do that to you enough without you internalizing negative, you know, shitty being crappy and hard on yourself. Gary, I think that we've been fucking around in this low stakes video game podcast racket for 10 years. We need to graduate Agreed. to the big bucks of self-help. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Patreon.com slash Duckfield TV. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) oh god yeah uh now Dottie is swiping at my hands like they are birds yeah no i love her (laughs) um time and watch says uh do you have any good examples of a video game that taught you something either a skill or a life lesson i'm an educator by profession and play games as a hobby but i always wondered what opportunities there are for the two to intersect currently the gamification of education is usually low effort reward schemes or simulation-based training i wonder if video games could be a tool to try to help shape future generations in a more progressive or positive direction maybe playing through a video game and discussing it could be part of early education that might uh if we could solve the access issues um yeah there's no reason i don't think there's any reason why like when you're doing a humanities course you shouldn't talk about like papers please Mm mm-hmm or something like that, or a history course. Yeah. You know, like, and, and have that be part of a guided education experience. Yeah. If you're, if you're doing um, a, a, you know, a, a unit on East Berlin and West Berlin, right? Yeah. You know, like, I, I think that there's no reason why that, that just straight up, and they don't have to be, you know, edutainment uh, games or gamified productivity things mm-hmm. for that. I would say, like, take the medium as it is and treat the entries of them as texts. Yeah. Uh, Sim Sim City would be a really good a really good one for like a like a civics class, right? Yeah, they did a Sim Refinery. Like they made that version to train people. Oh yeah, uh, you know that very rare version <laughs> of uh, made by Maxis. So um, and then, you know there's a reason why kids like went nuts over Oregon Trail. Yeah, uh, in kids or in, uh, in school, um, it's not that educational. Mm-hmm. You know, as as a game, but doing it. So I think that rather than trying to make specific edutainment games that that do that, I think taking games that are about certain themes, like doing them as part of the humanities, mm-hmm. would be my opinion on that. Yeah, agreed. You know, and examples of like times a video game taught me like something in something in particular. That's hard to say. Uh, time management. <laughs> I don't know something like yeah. that. Uh, I, l- I learned a, a very surface level of, about voodoo from Gabriel Knight. Yeah. Riven taught me different bases, base, you know, base, base mm-hmm. 10, base 25, stuff like that. So <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, let's see here. We can do this one real quick and I'll move on to the next one. Uh, Mark uh, says, love the Monster Train episode. Thanks for giving me an excuse to check out this gem of a roguelike. Uh, you might have mentioned in a previous episode already, uh, but have you run across any roguelikes that would have been better without the randomization or vice versa? Uh, Dead Cells is our canonical example of that. Did you, did yeah. you have Dead any Cells should have just been, yeah. no, Dead Cells Dead Cell should have just been a Metroidvania. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'll do the next one here. Joseph says... Mm-hmm. Um, how do you guys feel about the recent rumors about the RE4 remake? Um, if I'm correct, Capcom has taken over development and are uh, changing up the story and stuff. If it's true, I'm excited to see what direction they're going to go with the story and characters. I hope they don't cut a lot, which I'm, uh, which is my, and I'm sure a lot of other people's biggest fear. Uh, I do wish, uh, that they would do a Code Veronica, uh, remake before RE4. 
Also, a friend of mine who doesn't really play games but does enjoy them just just picked up RE4. Uh, once she gets to the game, or at least most of it, I'll be pointing her to y'all's episode uh, about RE4 since I recently showed your podcast to her and she likes it. Uh, thank you for spreading the word. Yeah, thanks, Joseph. Yeah. Um, I will... Anything Capcom does with Resident Evil right now, I'm going to be interested in. Yes. Um, I don't... I'm not that specifically interested in RE4 Remake uh, because I, RE4 stands up really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fine. Like, I'm, I need to play it and see what they're doing. And yeah. the old one won't go away. It's available on every single system. Mm-hmm. You know, like, RE4 is one of the most ported games ever. Yeah. Uh, you can play RE4 on almost anything. Mm-hmm. So uh, that'll still be there for me. Yeah. I feel pretty much the same. My worry would be that, like, if they if they still feel like they need to get get it out by a particular date, this if this particular struggle will like hurt and compromise whatever new thing is because they lost time and resources by doing a restart yeah. or what have you. So I'm less worried about like what they intend to do and more like what comes out as a result of the business uh, kind of necessities that come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Fenrilliania. Uh, uh, our patron who produced our Outer Wilds episode mm-hmm. asks, uh, on both personal and professional levels, how does morality play into your decision to buy slash play slash cover a game? Do prob- does problematic content, uh, for example, transphobia in Cyberpunk 2077, horrendous work conditions such as Rockstar's Crunch, Ubisoft's sexual harassment, or military-funded propaganda, i.e. Call of Duty, affect your decisions and have you found it affecting your base interest? Personally, learning of these aspects both completely nullifies my excitement and interest in these games and gives me a conscious objection to them. Um, I feel like we've answered, like we talked about versions of this. Yeah, specifically like saying everybody draws their own line. Yeah. And I, I, you know, the the distinction that Fenrelliania has here is really important where uh, they talk about it giving the conscious objection and nullifying the excitement. Yeah. You know, no. you know, we, we talk a lot about like, or I think a lot about, um, if it interferes with your enjoyment, like you just can't enjoy that anymore. Yeah. That's a really big step. Like, I think that we, we want to be bigger than that and we want to feel like those, you know, the concerns of joy and entertainment are below us, mm-hmm. but really they do kind of go hand in hand. And it's, 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 for me, when with people who have been like canceled or or shitty or have problematic elements, whether I in you know whether that knowledge fucks up or interferes with my original enjoyment, mm-hmm. really matters to where I'll hold my line. Like the two things I, I look at are like, is it currently supporting monsterism, right? And supporting monsterism to the detriment of other things, mm-hmm. right? Um, like we talked about uh, at some point, Red Dead Redemption Two. Um, like we have, we have a listener who worked on that game who was like, yeah, I would love for you guys to play this. And like, you know, that's great. Like they, they, mm-hmm. yes, there was a lot of shitty crunch and horrible abuse things, but also people on that thing want their shit to be played. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a, a, a lot of times a decision of very few people mm-hmm. and knowing about the crunch didn't make me feel super grossed out. I just got pissed at Rockstar. Yeah. It didn't affect the work that much. Right. Um, right. You know, so it's it, it's very complicated, and that's why it ends up being a online gut check thing. Yeah, and, uh, and for, me. for me, and you can call this moral cowardice if you if you would like to. I'm 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 fine with whatever judgment you want to throw at it. Uh, for for me, if I decide to start drawing lines like that, it suddenly becomes very difficult to find things that I can feel good about enjoying. 
um, mm. it, it, in, in terms of like, you know, if you think about, okay, I, I do not to take it to a different kind of thing. I do not want to patronize Amazon. Well, okay. Don't use anything on the internet then, because if you click on the right thing, Amazon makes a couple of cents because they, they put the backbone up behind everything. A sufficiently yeah. big company will, 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 will start trafficking, um, in, you know, bad development, uh, pro, you know, processes, there will be shitty managers who take advantage of people in any, in any number of different ways, you know, and you kind of turn into, into cheaty from the good place. If you end up kind of paralyzed by analysis on it, uh, yeah. in terms of like trying to decide what is qualified or disqualified. Um, so that comes from a point of uh, spectacular privilege because I uh, am not necessarily impacted very directly uh, by like, you know, problematic content. A lot of these things. Yeah. By yeah. like, by, by a lot of these things, but that, that, that's a little bit where it becomes difficult to, 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 to live. If you, if, if you maximize discernment or if you, if you maximize, yes, yes. Your discrimination on that to the point where you lose, the ability for critical discernment, let's say the, the, uh, you know, it's, it's not saying, you know, there's a difference between the argument that you're making or like our stance, like the straw man version of what we're saying is there's no ethical consumption or capitalism. So everything goes, that's mm -hmm. not true, no. but it's also not true that because there's no ethical consumption or capitalism, nothing goes, Yeah, you know, and finding that space between isn't like so incredibly subjective. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there are games that like, I have, you know, so like, uh, uh, what is that? Like Edith Finch. Like yes. I was pretty excited about that. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the one I'm thinking of. And it's like, yeah. oh, the dude's kind of a shithead. Um, you know, Gamer Gate Jason. It's like, ah, you know what? I'll do other things. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's that's fine. That yeah. was, you know, it's one dude. It was kind of an auteur thing. It was a small project. I was like, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. I can I cannot play that game. Um, that decision was easy. When I think about, you know, something like at some point I will probably play, you know, another Rockstar Ubisoft game. Yeah. Because they're they're huge. Or another CD Project Red game. Um, you know, I haven't played Cyberpunk yet, but maybe someday. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, yeah, they they have like super shitty uh like transphobia baiting social media mm -hmm. experiences. They have really, really horrible crunch. I want to amplify the fact that that exists. I don't want to hide that. Yeah. You know, but it may or may not be the thing that makes me not go like not play it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And in terms of covering stuff for the show, we tend to be a little bit more careful about that, but only when things are like super egregious, yes. you know, like we're not going to play postal or hatred or whatever, not only because we don't want to, and we have no interest, but also that's not the kind of thing we want to platform on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Even just from like a, even like even on Adric suffering, we don't really want to put that on there. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, There's a reason why we've never done Custer's Revenge, even though it's shown up in the suggestion box like a million times. Yes. Yeah. 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 So big, complicated mess. <laughs> yep. We didn't solve it. Nope. Uh, let's see here. Uh, do I do one more game question before moving on to the other stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> God damn it. Dottie. Sorry. Um, not a question. Nope. Uh, Shane writes, have either of you delved uh, much into speed running yourselves outside of games that specifically reward for you, reward you for it? Uh, like the old school resident evils. Uh, I find the communities that arise, uh, from certain games fascinating, especially ones that aren't that popular. Uh, the fact that there are games where 15 people are super into completing them as fast as possible, uh, and the rest of the world doesn't care, uh, is, uh, just cool to me exploring those little 
pockets of obsession can be worthwhile. This is fast for me. No, because speedrunning, the idea of even trying to do it stresses me out. (laughs) Yeah, it's stressful. I I speed ran Dark Souls for like a summer and got down to two hours and didn't learn the send skip. And now there are a bunch of other skips. Yeah. So uh, that was really fun. It was kind of like fun to do it. But now I don't think that I would get into it. I think I tried to do Mario 1 once Mm. as well because i was like this is holding to the right and just hitting jump at the right times like it might be fun to to just watch you know i love watching those levels get completed really quickly Mm -hmm. you know at at full bore but i just didn't have the the dedication to it i wanted more variety yeah you know Mm -hmm. um moving on to life questions Greg asks, I sometimes wonder what my chances would be in the event of a zombie outbreak or some other mass extinction event where the world quickly goes to hell. Honestly, not good, I think. For example, (laughs) take guns. I've never touched a gun in my life, much less fired one. However, my friends who do own them say that I'm best off with a shotgun when I break into the gun shop because they're easy to use. Have you thought about what you might do in a situation where you're forced to learn new skills on the fly and how well or badly you might do? Yeah, shotguns probably best. They're very simple machines compared to a semi-automatic pistol uh, or even like a rifle. Um, or a rail gun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, man, rail Or guns. a metal gear. A metal gear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, Navy SEALs. <laughs> Ooh, Navy SEALs. I love that joke so much. <laughs> I know. It's one of the best. One of the best. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, not going to speak for everybody, but a lot of dudes like us with our interests have probably had these conversations idly, uh, either at a mm-hmm. job we didn't care about or what have you. Uh, haven't thought about this in a while. You know, I have not uh, um, put too much thought into this because I basically just decided uh, I would probably, you know, anything, uh, anything outside of just admitting that I will either go crazy or just punch my own ticket. It feels like um, macho grandstanding. I am not tough okay. enough to survive after society. So I will probably completely lose my shit and need to be put down or just opt out. Yeah. You you live in a society, you die in not a society. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- this has come up a couple times on like Guppy and various other, I'm sure we've talked about abject suffering as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it would be difficult for me to, uh, my skills to translate. Yes. Um, into anything. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't think I'd be good at committing violence, Mm -hmm. um, regardless of how it was done Mm -hmm. and I, uh, would not be that interested in it. So I don't think that I would necessarily, you know, punch my own ticket, but I think that, uh, I would just try to survive and probably fail. Mm -hmm. So I got really into, like, I I made a go bag uh, in an Amazon cart at one point Mm -hmm. during, uh, the, the protest in Portland and stuff just because I was freaking out a little bit not because well, i thought well you know, just... black clad antifa members were going to skin me alive or whatever <laughs> but because it you know there were there were like military yeah trucks going was, up and down the street constantly it was really serious you know? yeah yeah <laughs> what a fucking year man yeah uh but the uh so i, I got into that and was kind of looking into how to do that mm-hmm. stuff and then realized like man i can't even sleep without like fucking up right <laughs> you know without dying like if i had to do this under a canopy of leaves or something like mm-hmm. i just i am i'm soft yeah you know I'm, soft. I'm, I'm made for this world not for mm-hmm. the next one yeah 
they're, they're, I, I do not want to take resources from the people who are made for the next one. Or survivors. Yeah. 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 You know, like I don't want, I don't I don't want to be fuck a up their chance just because, yeah. of, just because I want to eat a fucking hamburger. Yeah. They yeah. deserve it. I don't want anybody to worry about me because I spoke so blithely about punching my own ticket that I don't mean to make light of that or anything. I just, you know, I, I think about how much I am a, a creature of society. And, yeah. you know, it becomes a utilitarian choice at that point, probably. So that is purely hypothetical, not something I actually think about. Just just so people don't think I'm being blasé about it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, what is the next question? Uh, the next question, Mark writes, right after MLK Day, uh, we've got no good holidays until Memorial Day here in the States. Uh, what official holidays would you create or swap uh, for this part of the year? I'll take a low-hanging fruit. President's Day should be changed to post-Super Bowl Monday um, as the official day off in February. Uh, I would be fine if, um, like president's day, I don't like, cause it's celebrating presidents. Right. Right. But, uh, some kind of like Valentine's day as a national holiday, I would take, we could yeah. have a love day. Love mm-hmm. is important to people. Yeah. You know, and when you're in school, like you just, uh, you give Valentine's to everybody, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's like, com- like, like a friendship day or a camaraderie day or like yeah. connection with your fellow person day is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, after that though, there's also no good holidays for quite a while. There isn't. So I I would do like Arbor day or something like we need a good nature day. Yeah. We need a good dependable day in spring. Um, Al Gore day. Yeah. Al Gore. Inconvenient truth day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just where everybody gets real. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Bullying for Columbine day. Uh, (laughs) Man on Um, wire day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Really, we're looking for a documentary day is what we're talking about. Oh, I'd be fine with that. Making of a murderer day. Yeah. The, the, um, but yeah, we do, we do need something in like the April. Yeah. In that corner, in that corridor. Because it's yeah. a real, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, Man, it's a real bummer yeah. there. Yeah. When you know, when you, I worked at the university, you noticed the fuck out of this. Yep. It was just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, you oh. know, after MLK, it just nothing. Dottie oh. is now, uh, chewing on and pulling my hair. Hey, Dottie, stop. Mm. She's standing on top of my gamer chair here. Uh, Dottie's and... playing the long con. Yeah. <sighs> um, Moving on to media questions before we do the lightning round and the topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eli says, uh, yo, loving orb. Very happy to finally have watched a great show like the Venture Brothers. Listening to you talk about uh, what you like about the show. I'm reminded in some spaces about my own favorite show, though. Uh, the humor is very different, but the use of continuity and jokes setting up later points is also very similar in Adventure Time. My question is, I'm aware from random shows that you've both watched some amount of Adventure Time, but how much? Probably the first four or five seasons, something like that. Same. Yeah. Uh, before Finn lost his arm. Yes. Um, but with the fire queen. Right. You know, with, with, uh, with the, the kind of love triangle puberty mm-hmm. stuff. Yes. We, we, we both kind of fell off at about the same time. There was a long gap there where they did like half seasons and like a season of specials at around that yeah. time. Yeah. And, like, I didn't stop because I disliked that it was getting more serious. I think it was just, like, a distribution and time attention thing. I like that show quite a bit, like, what I saw of it. It's mm-hmm. very sweet, very good-hearted. Yeah, I I love it. Like, yeah. I, I it's, it's been on my perpetual, like, I would like to go and just fin- finish out, especially since the movies that came out are supposed to be very good. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the wrap-up stories that yeah. come up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I, I love Adventure Time. Adventure Time is wonderful. Yeah, um, one of my just absolute favorite episodes of any cartoon, uh, Dungeon Train. 
which mm-hmm. is a really good exploration of how some people just need to deal with depression by playing video games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Dungeon Train is amazing. What um, a good show. Yeah. Uh, Stuart writes, playing any tabletop RPGs lately? Uh, for some reason, uh, this time of year really gets my GM brain going, pandemic or no, and I end up playing multiple games each week. If not, is there a tabletop RPG you're looking to play once you and your friends uh, can all sit at the same table again? Uh, kind of a Gary question, because I'm the tabletop mm-hmm. man. I assume I don't want to speak for you if you're going to get into I'll, I'll do mine tabletop-ing. real quick. I'm not playing it, but over Christmas, I've got myself the King and Yellow RPG uh, box set. Oh, nice. That beautiful thing. I, I kickstarted that. Yeah. Yeah. Where the, the slipcase turns into the, the screen. Yeah, into the GM screen. And I got the like the, the fifth book, the Absinthe and Carcosa. Like, I did the whole, the whole physical mm-hmm. set. Uh, not with the intention of playing it. I just wanted to read it for more King and Yellow content. Um, so yeah. I've just been kind of slowly working through that, uh, just set it on my, co- on my coffee table and read a few pages at a time when I need a, when I need a break. Yeah. I, I have not read that yet, but I have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is making nice shelf candy. It's good. Um, we still have our game group. Uh, we do it most weeks, but there are a lot of skip weeks because it's, I think it's cause it's less fun and kind of less motivating to get together mm-hmm. on discord. Um, we're currently playing the prequel adventure to Baldur's Gate 3 called Descend into Avernus uh, that my friend Levi has adapted for a game called Fragged Kingdom, which is just a horrible name, but it's a pretty fun game. Yeah, you've talked about uh, that. Pretty mechanically sound. And uh, after that, uh, Riff, who I mentioned earlier, is going to run a game called Heart, um, mm. which I don't know very much about. And then I am going to run a Shadowrun game using pre-published modules as adventure ideas to hit a bunch of Shadowrun greatest hits mm-hmm. uh in terms of lore and i think i'm going to run it in a powered by the apocalypse hack yeah um of Shadowrun because the Shadowrun system is no bueno mm-hmm. um i also finally got my garage set up to have i have a big work table in the garage oh, cool. and i've been buying uh single player board games and for christmas i bought myself a copy of too many bones Ooh. which is a di- dice builder um, that I played with Levi that we used to play once a month during game brunch, but you can play it by yourself. Mm. And I started doing kind of solo board games, uh, which is very fun. It's like, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I go out in the garage, I put on some music. I have a mm-hmm. space heater out there. Yeah. You know, I, I live in a small house. Uh, so it ends up feeling very like it feels kid like to mm-hmm. me, it captures some young energy. Oh yeah. That's the, that. the best part about having a garage. <laughs> yeah. It feels, it feels really good. And it's fun. Like I am just playing by myself, which is a little bit silly, you know, playing yeah. against the, the computer or playing against the cards. They make games. But, uh, they, they, they design games for that though. So that stops being yeah. silly. <laughs> like, well, it's just, it's a, it'd be, it's more fun to play with people, mm-hmm. right? Like this kind of tactic stuff, like too many bones is a tactical game, like final fantasy tactics or what have you. Yeah. Um, it'd be more fun to play with more people, Yeah. but as is, I was, I'm still having fun playing it by myself, like throwing out a podcast and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Building some little critters. 136 custom dice. Good God. Yeah. yeah. Too many bones. <laughs> oh, I get it. Uh, yeah. Dice, yeah. Dice bones. Dice bones. Yeah. Get a, uh, before anyone who looks that up judges me too harshly, the aesthetics on that game are some of the worst I've ever seen in my fucking life. Uh-huh. Um, I am not standing by those drawings. I am just standing by the mechanics of that game. The, those I, character design is fucking repulsive. That's that's so much easier I, to do with, with with this kind of stuff, though. Like, oh, you, totally. you can you can wireframe, you can wireframe too many bones. Yeah, I almost I don't don't really see the characters, but mm-hmm. when I look at the official art or whatever, I'm like, who are these fucking oily wax goblins <laughs> that they're they're using 
it's it's just really and the the humor there's like a lot of like humor that misses mm-hmm. uh for me but the actual mechanics are rock solid yeah like uh if you're looking for a tactical uh kind of light uh board game like d- dice builder character builder mm-hmm. game it's really good for that nice feels good to level up yeah yeah agreed shall we lightning round we shall lightning rounds um mm-hmm. let's see here marcus writes pineapple on pizza yay or nay uh, nay, but primarily because I don't really like cooked fruit very much. I'm a yay. Cool. Uh, Sam Bear says, now that, it's more estal- now that it's a more established thing, do you ever do refunds on Steam or any other digital platform that offers it? As I get older, I've gotten a lot better at admitting I'm just not into a game and pulling the ripcord. Uh, pretty rarely, um, me and Derek will fuck around and just kind of choose stuff that's on sale sometimes mm-hmm. just to play you know, co-op. And if it turns out to be like... Just absolutely like unplayable garbage. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll get my two dollars back or my three dollars back if it's just yeah, really really yeah. horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I haven't done it with a big game in quite a while. Yeah, I've done it a handful of times, mostly because of like technical problems, like getting it to run in a smooth way. But yeah. I'm not I'm not opposed to it or anything. I'm glad that it's there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love this name, Alexander. Uh, writes mm-hmm. hello only one question armored core retrospe- retrospective when thank you uh we've done armored core for answer on wolf i don't know mm-hmm. that we have or more for bonfire side chat no no that right? was that oh, was, was at a period of time yeah. when wolf wasn't uh wasn't or uh, when bonfire yeah. side chat wasn't yeah. on that was part of mech month oh i forgot about mech month yeah, Jumping flash. Mm-hmm. yeah. um n- I'm not going to do a series retrospective no, of no. those games. I don't, I don't like, I'm interested in them. I liked for answer quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go back and play some of them, but the mech stuff is not catting up to me. Right. Um, I am too bored looking at robots. Yep. So, mm-hmm. um, not saying we'll never do another one. Right. Um, Tom asks, uh, I recently bought a leather jacket because it made me feel like Leon S. Kennedy in RE4. Have you ever bought an item of clothing to emulate a character in a game? Uh, if not, whose style would you most like to emulate? Uh, I've thought about getting the the M sixty five jacket that uh, James wears in Silent Hill two because it's just army surplus. Mm-hmm. Just having an mm-hmm. army surplus jacket seems kind of cool. Uh, they're not very comfortable, is the thing. <laughs> so mm. uh, whenever I've gone and tried them on, so uh, that is as far as I've gone down that down that road. Yeah. This is something I I did more when I was younger or aspired to a lot more when I was younger. I'm not trying to say like this is a young person's thing, but in I remember wanting to look like Setzer. Oh yeah, uh, in Final Fantasy VI, quite oh, a bit. Oh, of all the characters, Gary. Oh no. <laughs> of course, yeah. No, it's like the Gambit. You know, like I was, I was, I was on brand as a teen. Yeah. Um. You know, now, like I, I just, uh, I am very driven by comfort. Yes. Uh, like you. Mm-hmm. Um. As opposed to fashion, I'm not very fashionable. No. Surprisingly. Yeah. So. Uh, th- that's what I like about the fashion mores, uh, mores, whatever of uh, of mm-hmm. the twenty twenties. Just uh, it, it it very much does prioritize comfort. You can, and you can be comfortable and still look put together. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just hanging out in a robe right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm in. So. I'm in basketball shorts and a t shirt. That's fine. <laughs> oh God, I love basketball shorts. Basketball shorts. Hey, are basketball. Yeah. Love basketball shorts. Mm-hmm. I want basketball everything. Like I want a basketball <laughs> shirt. Like yeah. whatever that material is, it's just very good. Mm-hmm. Basketball H- bed. HBS, huge basketball shorts. Yeah. 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 
Good uh, <laughs> and finally, here in the lightning round, uh, we have Jordan who asks, have you ever walked out of a theater due to the horrible quality of a film? Uh, concurrently, uh, what is the worst thing you ever sat all the way through? Not for a duck feed show. That changes it substantially. <laughs> yeah, I, I misread this at first and I thought it was saying, what is the worst thing you've ever sat through? Not a duck feed show. Like uh, we, the implication oh. being we just shut, like sit through our recordings for a second. I was like, oh, that's not pretty nice, <laughs> oh, Jordan. Yeah. That doesn't sound like Jordan. No, Jordan's nice. <laughs> um, I said this before when I was a teenager uh, with my first girlfriend, we went and saw Wishmaster and mm-hmm. I had to leave. It grossed me out too much, right. too much body horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and as of now, I just tend to shut things off uh, because they're boring. Yeah. Um, I do get invested in a movie. Like if I see a movie, I do want to see the end of it. Like um, me and my girlfriend watched uh, Vampires in Brooklyn uh, on Netflix, which is like a, a story about a bunch of kids uh, in the Bronx and oh. the vampires who come in are all white and they're gentrifying and buying all the property. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And it had an interesting like twist on a vampire thing where the vampires don't have to be invited in if they buy the building. Oh, and I'm like, like capitalist vampires. Like that's a really cool yeah. idea. Um, it was really kitty and not super good. Oh no. Uh, but I, you know, I sat through it because I was like, ah, I'm invested at this point. I'll, I'll finish watching the thing. Yeah. Like so. if I think back, like I know for sure that I, that I went and sat through little Nikki at the dollar theater, mm-hmm. you know, like I had my parents take me there and like, I bought a ticket and then I, and then mm. I watched, watched the movie and then waited for my parents to come pick me up. Um, yeah. yeah. And I've never walked out of a theater. So I wouldn't, I don't think I would do it now, no. but I think that that's also equal parts discernment. Like I just wouldn't end up in a theater mm-hmm. watching something that I'd want to walk out of. Right. You know, just, there's so much information about stuff now ahead of time, you know, you just got to yeah. check and see if it's going to be worth your time. So, you know, I've probably I've yeah. opted out of plenty of things that would be worth walking out of just by choosing not to see it. So I walked out the other time I've walked out of stuff is during uh the Lovecraft Film Fest. Oh yeah. Where it's yeah. like I have you know, I want to get my money's worth, I want to see a bunch of stuff, and I just there's nothing really good in this block. Mm-hmm. I'll sit in this theater, there's room, and uh it's so boring. I'm like, I'd rather go sit in a Starbucks and drink some coffee or something. Yeah, yeah. Or go grab lunch. It's yeah. part of part of a bigger event than just like not nah, I'm a movie boy today. I'm gonna go watch a movie yeah. at the theater. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what I say when I go watch a movie at the theater. To no one in particular. I'm a movie boy today. <laughs> yeah. uh, the uh to no one uh, just do a mirror yeah. gripping the, the sink like a lectern sweating <laughs> um zach has given us our topic uh zach did not suggest this as a topic uh but we're going to treat it as one mm-hmm. um and we have edited this down just a little bit just so you know mm-hmm. uh zach says i am brand new to gaming and trying to decide how to approach big genres like crpgs that have tentpole classics in them i'm not worried about older games turning me off right away because i have no experience with newer things to make my expectations unrealistic i was listening to you talk about grand Th- the grand theft auto series and you mentioned that you really shouldn't play gta 3 because open world games have progressed so much since then it made me wonder would my experience with classic crpgs be ruined if i played disco elysium first i don't want something like uh torment or fallout to be harder to play because i've acclimated myself to something newer what should i play first uh so yeah so we're gonna take this opportunity to kind of talk about that in a general yeah. sense uh let's just let, could I call this uh the, the the retro peril let's say yeah. yeah yeah either coming at something new without an understanding of where the where the genre or subject matter has been or how it had been treated previously will you appreciate disco elysium if you have not played torment uh or fallout or 
playing Disco Elysium and then going back to uh, the admittedly rough putt of the interfaces in those games and kind of how crunchy they are in relation. You know, Disco Elysium, like, foregrounds different things. And Fallout is, you're spending a lot of time doing fun tactical combat, but it's still tactical combat, right? Yeah, and and it's, you know... The, the, you know, when, and when Zach, when you say that, like you had not played the older games, so you don't think that you would have a problem with, um, the interface because you had no expectations, you would just because of design. Yeah. Like, you're they still... just make them easier. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is tricky. Um, I don't like, this is not useful, but I don't think there is a right answer for it. Right. Uh, because it's going to depend, like, let's say, you know, Zach played Disco Elysium. Mm-hmm. And he loved Disco Elysium. I think anybody who loves Disco Elysium will find something to really love in Planescape Torment. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not about the same thing, but there's a similar, similar uh, caliber of kind of like depth yeah. and quality. You will find something to like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a PC game, so you can just cheat it like crazy just to get past the parts that are annoying. Um, but it's going to depend on how much you like Disco Elysium and how much getting that thing that you like is valuable to you. Yeah. You know, kind of going into our early questions where it's like, yeah, I just, uh, you know, you might do other things instead. Mm -hmm. Like the, the, the risk of, you know, putting this in the, the framework of previous questions, the risk of, um, turning, playing a classic game, like, uh, like, like fallout or torment into eating your vegetables. The risk of that is you might just decide to, you know, I don't like this because of the way this is presented shrug it all off and then not get to the thing that you might like yeah. later on. Yeah. Right. Like you like, you like Brussels sprouts if they're pan fried and bacon, but you don't like them when they're boiled. Mm-hmm. They're both Brussels sprouts, but, and they're both good for you, but the preparation really matters. Yeah. You know, for that kind of thing. Um, and I, I run into this kind of idea a lot when somebody, not for someone just like playing casually, but when somebody wants to um, kind of be an authority mm. or speak authoritatively, about something like minor pet peeve, but like websites will, will talk about RPGs and like the best ones of all time. And they'll always throw like Chrono Trigger in there. And I'm like, yeah, but there's like this whole list. There's no, <laughs> no fallout or Deus Ex or torment or like anything like, right. Right. Like the, there's a, there's a tweet by somebody who I don't want to pick on, <laughs> but it was saying that Chrono Trigger was the, uh, the most mechanically satisfying RPG. Uh, and I was like, Oh, it's the opposite of that. Actually. I like, like, I like that's Chrono a really Ch- good game. I like Chrono Trigger know? a lot. However, <laughs> Yeah, that that is a wild fucking statement. <laughs> like your family should be able to commit you for that statement. Like, that is that is. We just need like we just know. need to figure out what the hell's going on, man. Yeah, yeah. Just it, you know, no offense or anything. We just need to see if you're okay. Like, <laughs> uh, just check your that, pupils at the very least. Like that is just that's just a wild statement, you uh-huh. know. And it, it comes from um, like a lack of grander context, right? For right. that genre, not knowing the forebears, not knowing the uh antecedents you mm-hmm. know either or um, having an inaccurate or not expansive enough uh definition or like they're operating under a different just under 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 a different definition of like what the four walls of rpgs are like oh yeah. they're, they're they're talking about jrpgs or they're talking about jrpgs of this particular era stuff like that like yeah. not that gerrymander around things but i, I think that that's too you know their reach kind of ex- exceeded their grasp there a little bit. And he, even uh. then JRPGs of that era has final fantasy five. Yes. You know, in terms of like, it, that's a really, really 
false mm-hmm. statement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of just uh, objectively. And uh-huh. so one of the reasons why you might want to have that wider background is so mm-hmm. you can speak to some authority uh, about something. But yeah. if you're if you're a layman, if you're not looking to do that, there's no real, you know, do the ones that you like. Like play Disco Elysium because it's amazing. It's uh-huh. really good. If you really like that, there is some more flavor of that to be found in Torment. Uh, very little in Fallout. Fallout's a very different game. Yeah. Um, but you could still, like, if you like XCOM or if you like, um, you know, obviously like Tides of Numenera or Wasteland or something, mm-hmm. um, you'll probably like Fallout. Yeah. You know, you can you can, you can can go backwards like that uh, and achieve that content if you, or that context, if you are hungry for it. Yeah. You know, the, the, the specific example here where we talk about, you know, with Grand Theft Auto 3 kind of being unnecessary because of things that came later um that is distinct as well um as compared mm-hmm. to you know maybe because specifically like oh the things that are cool about grand theft auto 3 they've just they've, they've taken that and updated it right like you're not going yeah. you know the, the compelling thing you know it's not like you're missing out on like huge story or whatever like There's they actually made it left in it yeah like they they, they 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 took the stuff that was cool about it and made it easier and more fun to get at in later games right yes you know you know so you run into that a lot with platformers right like people mm-hmm. will say um you know uh oh i'm just pulling this example out of nowhere but they'll be like oh the new remake of donkey kong or like donkey kong 2 donkey kong country 2 yeah obviates donkey kong country one mm-hmm. and that's because you're not getting very much from donkey kong country one <laughs> uh that you're not getting from two right right you know it's 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 not like you're getting a lot of story content or a lot of new ideas mm-hmm. that's kind of how gta 3 might be or uh you know as compared to later ones um i feel like there's probably like i'm not making this argument but people probably make that argument who are more invested in like the far cries yeah you know like you know, who don't go back. Like, it's the reason why people say you should play Far Cry 2 and not Far Cry 1. Because mm-hmm. it's like they just advanced it and figured something out. Oh, yeah. They're like, diff- like the different things. Totally different. Yeah. Yeah. They, they advanced the genre and made it a different thing. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it also becomes like a different question of, you know, as you're trying to like program this education for yourself, like, are you inadvertently forcing yourself to like stick to answering the question of what should I play of these if I just play one? You know? Yes. Yeah. Which, you know, uh, which don't unconsciously yeah, you, do that. <laughs> yeah. You're not, you're not in a jigsaw house, <laughs> you know, like you, you don't have to do that. You're not, you're not in jigsaw house. Uh-huh. You know, the new reality TV show. Yeah. Where six people named jigsaw uh-huh. uh, are all forced to share a house and date many, many more people than six have called themselves jigsaw. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, uh, I'm just saying the. I'm not saying every person who's named Jigsaw. Okay. okay. Just saying six. Okay. The top six. six. Of them. The top six Jigsaws. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Five of them from the Saw movies and the Punisher villain. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and they all have to pay rent and like figure out utilities and <laughs> run a cafe. <laughs> run a cool coffee shop in downtown Amsterdam. Jigsaw House. Jigsaw House. Coming to Queeby. Um, <laughs> like uh so you you don't have that false scarcity like sometimes Mm -hmm. people someone will ask me and they'll be like you know hey i want to play one of the old fallouts which i play two or one Mm -hmm. and that's easy because it's like where do you start yeah you know they're different stories there's not that much continuity like you are choosing the one that's best but Mm -hmm. if if this is actually your thing if you're not just eating your vegetables there's no reason you couldn't just do both yeah do the better one and then get something out of the other one Mm -hmm. um a really good example of that i think of um is divinity original sin 2 Right, which is right. so much better than one. 
but I still think that like one is worth playing. Playing two won't ruin one. You just have to set your expectations and you're going to be getting different stuff from it. Like you're going to yeah. be there for those stories and those character abilities and that those specific tactical situations, which are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. There's still value there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, and I yeah. just, if you're looking at like a, like a strategy to like for how to approach these, I don't think that there is really a peril here, especially with like what you have laid out, uh, you know, the specific examples, but like set aside an hour, you know, put you know put put yourself to you know to like go through the first dungeon of a of, of torment you know play mm-hmm. the opening day of disco elysium you know because like the thing that i would recommend that you do is the thing that you're going to do mm-hmm. right yeah don't don't chase the one that you're gonna like fall fall off of i guess because that would be a bad way to spend your time yeah yeah um and you know it's it's only an adjacent subject but the idea of how much value there is and just having you know the the canon mm-hmm. under you always very specifically uh kind of reeks of gatekeeping a little bit yeah with uh, with games you know like you can't call yourself a real gamer unless you've played you know God. super mario brothers one that. uh and that that's fictional like that's that's not a real thing like <laughs> that, that, that amazing tweet that is like if you only like naruto dragon ball neon genesis evangelion it like lists lists off like 15 anime you don't like anime like oh you need to like the 16th anime to like yeah like, you know. <laughs> yeah like also uh oh no <laughs> be still my heart what an accusation <laughs> like oh uh, them's fighting words um but like you know if you like uh so like super mario brothers 3 to super mario brothers 1 like mm-hmm. those are similar games yeah mario brothers 3 is more imaginative and fun and everything and one isn't better i guess the other thing that's like what i was trying to circle is this also relates to the idea of everything needs to be increasingly better Uh, every time like oh like i want to play the best version of this thing and they should just keep getting better Mm -hmm. and that's the only one that has value when sometimes uh like a b version of a mario experience Mm -hmm. is what i want yeah you know and i don't mean galaxy (laughs) i mean like um you know like i i I will take a a b mario or i will take a b crpg uh, because that's what i'm in the mood for Yeah, yeah um you know, it doesn't have to just be better. So like when somebody, when you play a game, like when we did dead space, I was not super crazy about dead space one. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like dead space two is better. And I'm like, you know, cool. I, cool. I, I don't you know, know that like, I want yeah, a better but, version of what dead space does actually. Yeah. And, you know, it, like, yes, there is the, the version to try if you're only going to try one, but mm-hmm. like this also exists in, a, in, in the function of this podcast. I still wanted to talk about it Yeah. as is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, think about doing this with any other kind of media, actually. Like, hey guys, um, I really would like to watch, uh, I really would like to watch, uh, good hereditary. Okay. Will I, will watching hereditary ruin me if I decide that I want to go back and watch the original Dracula? Or like, (laughs) like, let's not go back that far. Like, will Hereditary ruin me if I want to watch The Thing or like the 70s invasion of the body snatchers, right? Or even, you know, Babadook or something, even something more recent. Yeah. You know, you know, different Uh, content. Yeah. Different content, different thing. And also like, I I don't know, it, it does, it doesn't seem to apply actually. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
the idea that better media ruins worse media is kind of fictional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that is some people I think really do feel that, you know, like, Oh, why would I do this? This isn't the the best version of it. And like, Oh, look at you, Mr. Optimum, you know, like (laughs) fuck off. It's such an annoying attitude. I'm worried that if I watch a color movie, I won't be able to go back and watch black and white. Well, the people who watch lots of black and white movies, they've, they, they probably grew up watching a lot of color movies. Like it gives yeah, you context. They made, they made the transition backward. Yeah. <laughs> People went to talkies. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I just, that idea that like you have to have, you know, if I'm going to play this, I'm going to play the best possible one mm-hmm. and that's it. Like yeah. it's this weird tear making, like tearification of everything in the world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, play, play the one you're going to play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... But, and, and the one that you're you're interested in again, kind of you know dovetailing into the earlier thing. Yeah. Like, when I first played uh, Dragon Age Two, uh, the first time, not this time, this last winter, mm-hmm. it was just because I was like, "Hmm, dark fantasy," <laughs> yeah. uh, and that, that was literally yeah. Ooh, like Navy it was just like seals. that just sounded exactly. It was just ooh Navy Seals. Like <laughs> it just sounded like that kind of that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And that was and that's like a you know a B game. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like a B. It's not perfect. It has tons of flaws. I like it quite a bit, mm-hmm. uh, but it, you know, lots of flaws. And uh, it was just what I wanted at the time, yeah. you know, and I, and I could have tied myself into knots being like, what is the most satisfying, uh, highest caliber, you know, dark fantasy experience I could have. Mm-hmm. But why, why do that? Like why doing that is not playing a game. Like the time you spend optimizing your life, you're not living it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, would be better off ripping a bandaid off in those kind of cases. Like I, I think, I think about it this way, you know, like the Witcher three came out into 2015, right? I didn't play it until we covered it on the show. I spent two years, you know, not playing an incredibly good game because I was worried about having not played the first two Witchers. Yes. You know, yeah. you, you can deny yourself a lot. Yeah through through that kind of this attitude say fuck it live life to the hilt <laughs> yeah this, this is one of the carpet diem issues we, we don't, we don't always have yeah we, we don't always have the oh captain my captain uh, episodes of the show like a lot of times yeah. we're dour and sad but yeah, yeah something about the energy of this one we're, we're telling you to go ask for that promotion uh-huh. we're telling you to go go play that video game <laughs> yeah. it's out there no. waiting for you get it <laughs> yeah get it Video yeah. games are for closers. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, thanks, everybody, for writing in. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you would like to ask us questions, the way you do that is by being a patron. Mm-hmm. You go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, and we put out a prompt once a month. Yep. Um, we are looking for, we've been doing the catch-ups and stuff. We're looking for more uh, everything, more questions and more topics. Mm-hmm. So if you'd like to suggest a prompt, please do. Um, and now, uh, we are going to, uh, read your responses to February's games. Yes, we are. Uh, a note on this. I feel like I say a version of this at the beginning of all of these, um, the last of us and outer wilds. Uh, those are both games that lots of people have thoughts on. We got a lot of responses specifically about those, which led to more responses than usual, which meant I had to cut more. Please do not take it personally. If your comment didn't make the cut, what most likely happened is that somebody else made a similar point and I flipped a coin between them. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I definitely don't feel, feel bad. Also, we edit these down, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and the way to avoid having, uh, making a point that it doesn't, or is less likely to duplicate a point is that mm-hmm. when you write in, uh, you know, brevity and novelty yeah. are the big things. Like we're less interested in just a review of the game and more interested in a specific observation or specific appreciation Correct. of the game. 
Um, I'll get us started here with uh, responses to Monster Train. Joey says via contact, Monster Train is a revelation. I love roguelike games. Is there a difference between roguelike and roguelite? Roguelite? Yes, there is. Mm -hmm. uh, that was me editorializing. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is just me coming back for more at an unhealthy frequency. <laughs> Thank you for bringing it to my attention because I have to admit the aesthetics made me skip uh, skip it at first glance. Have either of you dipped into Risk of Rain 1 or 2? I was reminded of those by Monster Train because the aesthetics aren't the selling point, but the mechanics and gameplay are incredible. If you haven't risked the rain, I strongly recommend it. 2 is as good as it gets. Uh, I have played Risk of Rain 1, not 2. I thought mm -hmm. it was okay. I've heard 2 is really good. I just haven't played it yet. I've played 1. It was very difficult, and I didn't uh, have the energy at the time to uh, get uh, get good at it. Yeah. Uh, Rogue-like is uh, similar to the game Rogue. Mm -hmm. So it's a turn-based, uh, kind of deterministic like RPG mm -hmm. kind of experience. Um, and a Rogue-like is something that borrows those elements and puts it in a different genre. Yes. Yeah. Um, Patches writes NVA contact saying, I decided to give Monster Train a shot after hearing you describe it as a breezier, uh, as breezier and easier than Slay the Spire. And boy, am I hooked. Uh, one thing I think stands out about the game is how far it leans into the cards are a framing device, but the game is digital uh, into that kind of a deal. Uh, whether it be cards uh, that create cards, cards that alter other cards during play, or the entire deal with the Melting Remnant, uh, each of these mechanics might work in practice at the table, um, but the uh, game calculating all of the effects uh, makes play much more pleasant than it would be in cardboard. Cole, ask Gary if he knows anything about the commander format of Magic the Gathering. Uh, the uh, the result no. is that uh, the game really leans into synergies in a way that makes you feel powerful, uh, which you pointed out in the episode. Really fun. Thanks for pitching it to us. That's a good observation. Yeah. Like games that could be cardboard or could be uh, tabletop games, but mm -hmm. it's much better to have the calculations just yeah. done. Just let the computer facilitate it and rely on that so you can do more ambitious and weird and broken things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is anything that has a random element mm -hmm. to it. Does this really well too? Like Into the Breach could obviously be a board game. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the chance of buildings or your, your power stations resisting. Mm-hmm would be kind of a pain to just like on rare occasions pull out some percentile dice yeah and and track those for each individual building mm -hmm. uh would be kind of a pain yeah uh mm -hmm. what is the commander format do you know no uh, okay. people talked about it i bet you it's fun but yeah. i uh have been out of the game too long ah okay so uh yeah um william says via contact uh, hey guys, thanks a bunch for covering Monster Train on the show. I'm glad my pick was able to contribute to a run of positive experiences for you. Thank you, William. Uh, for me, Monster Train really uh, hit at the right time. I knew I'd probably like it since I had a good time with Slay the Spire, but roguelikes don't usually hold my attention that long. I took the plunge and have now beaten Ascension 25 with 10 combos. Holy shit. I'm slowly, slowly working my way through all of them. It feels nice to have something breezy I can go to when I want some gamer treats. I love how much the devs want to empower the players, and going from bosses with 200 health in the first battle to 4,000 health for the high-level Seraph over the course of just eight fights leaves me feeling very awesome and powerful. One of my favorite little tricks that demonstrates this so well uh, is that you can actually overload the, overload the floor capacity by ascending, descending your own units. As I listened to the episode, I managed to take Seraph out again with a floor capacity of 12. Holy shit. Um, I forgot <laughs> to mention that, but like ascending and descending units is hugely powerful. I, I, um, I totally the, uh, didn't fuck with that. Like, I thought that it was too fiddly. 
<laughs> the uh, I love doing the. There's the big red guy, the fifty fifty um, demon guy, mm-hmm. uh, hellhorned guy, and I love like filling up a, a having a complete you know, floor mm-hmm. and then shunting that guy down into the back row. <laughs> so it's just a, a, you know, a steady 50 damage and just holding an out against whatever yeah. else. Yeah. Nice. Really good. Huh. Good to yeah. know if I ever uh, dip back into the game when that new expansion comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and thank you for backing us on monster train, William. I'm super happy that we yeah. pulled that. Great pick. Yeah. Um, now on to the last of us responses about this, obviously, um, you know, we got some uh, got some spoilers here, just so you're, you're aware. Uh, Ethan writes in Same thing contact. with Outer Wilds, too. Yeah, like We'll just yeah, do the spoiler warning once. Like, if you're sensitive about spoilers about these games, just know that the re- response will have them. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, but Ethan says via contact, uh, this was the first real game that I played in my life. Uh, I played this as an early teenager, and it had a definite impact on my teenage years, and I really enjoyed the game. This is a solid 8.5 or 9 out of 10 for me, uh, but the parts uh, that this game fails at, it really fails at. Everything up to the farmstead countryside place is just a total slog. Uh, and most of the winter is really boring. However, the middle section of the game remains one of my favorite gaming memories of my life. Uh, love the show. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Thanks, Ethan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared says via contact. The Last of Us is the first game ending I loved because it made me angry. My initial reaction was, what the hell, Joel? I don't want to do this. Why won't the game let me choose not to do this? But I wasn't making the choice. Joel was. Playing a lot of choice-heavy RPGs had made me take a well-written, linear narrative for granted. Seeing Joel's complex motives play out in a way that doesn't create a cookie-cutter, world-saving good ending is much more interesting than if Ellie had just died to save humanity. I'll take more brave writing choices like this that provoke thought and emotion, please. Yeah. I I think where you fall on the ending um, is going to largely be decided about whether you think it is adventurous or um, subversive or just kind of lazy that they take the choice away from you in the context of a video game where that is uh, something that we've been conditioned to expect. Choice is something that, you know, we we talked about that in a dispatch as well Mm -hmm. um, as a thing. Um, It also kind of like dovetails into, I really want gamers to be more into bummer endings. Yeah. Um, You know, (laughs) we, we, we accept a wide variety of, of stories, Mm -hmm. you know, through other media that have really, really dour, depressing endings. Um, you know, doing that with a game you have no choice mm-hmm. uh, about at the end is at least mildly subversive. Yeah. Uh, just because, you know, we're, we're used to, we're not being used to forced to feel bad, mm-hmm. you know, about something. And, uh, you know, you know us. Make me feel bad. <laughs> please make me feel bad. You know? hit, the, hit, hit the yeah. tragedy. Play tragedy for yep. me, please. Tragedy's yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Takenoko writes via contact saying the last of us. I really love the attention to detail in this game during the winter section. You can open up Ellie's backpack, uh, and she'll have a personal comment about each of the items like her pun books, Sam's robot and Riley's dog tags. I think playing through the game a second time, knowing Ellie and Riley's backstory really helps recontextualize her actions and motivations. Like when Ellie says it can't be for nothing. I think that's probably her survivor's guilt coming through. I know that yeah, that's absolutely. there and I never look at it. I never look through her stuff. Cause I always forget. Cause I'm hunting that deer, man. Yeah. Well, there's the deer got to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the deer's in, it's the, gotta go. The deer's in league with big giraffe. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Toys R Us. I'm Big Giraffe. 
Um, <laughs> prepare to die. Yeah. Yeah. The deer knew what it did. It might be fungal. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. So look at that shit growing out of uh, its head. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, that is uh that is a nice detail that you can mm-hmm. do that for sure. Yeah. Um, Joey says via contact. I have to admit that in 2013, at the age of 23, I thought The Last of Us was a genre-defining masterpiece. It's something I'm ashamed of, but I totally agree with how you describe it, uh, this game, as art in your episode. I think this and God of War 2018 are the gold standard for cinematic AAA games in terms of presentation, dialogue, and storytelling, but they don't touch the likes of Disco Elysium in terms of nuance. Do you guys think there is a glass ceiling on big AAA titles like this in that regard, or is it possible for that model to break the mold of middle-brow storytelling? I totally agree this should not be a damning term is it possible to break the mold on an rpg i kind of feel like if those uh two games didn't nothing will uh p.s the drafts had me rolling well they'll do that yeah well yeah like no. once they gain power they, they, they fuck with you just for fun you know and inject you with mdma and just <laughs> send you on your way yeah you know at the draft rave to rave <laughs> yep <laughs> Dude, there's uh, just a cloud of smoke with all the heads above it with, like pacifiers <laughs> just like bouncing i love it yeah <laughs> giraffe moby at the front <laughs> yeah. No fur on well, his head. <laughs> yeah giraffe moby is a curse sentence <laughs> like i cannot give moby the powers of a giraffe nope if, if moby could bring himself to food rather than food having to come to him <laughs> i would his power would be unstoppable and i can't handle it yeah no we need to corral him as much as we can uh yeah. misery him hobble him <laughs> um you know i don't want to say never uh i think that there are just limitations on kind of the commercial viability of something i think there's probably only so much you can do in a game where your primary verb is move and shoot that probably hems you in to a certain degree not to just kind of take the easiest line on it you know uh can you break that mold in a non-rpg probably like i don't know silent hill 2 did it for me like i think that that yeah sure qualifies up there in the upper yeah. echelon and survival horror games were triple a and also kind of were just kind of garbage narratives up until that point yeah it's, it's hard to remember that <clears throat> games from that era were triple a because they There's feel a like modest now. you know yeah. kind of middle yeah middle ground mm-hmm. now um yeah it, it's it's about the market it's whether people actually want it yep you know Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's risky and, uh, triple a big triple a games don't like to take risks. Right. Cause they're, that's yeah. a lot of money in it, you know? <laughs> so even this is kind of, you know, at the time a little risky mm-hmm. just in terms of, you know, coming off of uncharted, the feel good adventure story for fun time, Indiana Joneses, yeah. uh, doing something like this kind of bleak, mm-hmm. um, was a little bit risky and now things have subsumed where that's not risky. Yeah. Like God of War 2018 is not risky because that's become normal. Right. So I can imagine that happening, but just being very, very, very slow. Yeah. I just, you know, there, there, there's always going to be the difference. There's going to be the vanguard that pushes the, that, that, that pushes the boundary. And then slowly, um, things like that will become commercially viable as big commercial things catch up to it and start covering, mm-hmm. you know, different ground. It's just a matter of waiting, waiting for that to happen. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is uh, you or me? I believe this is me. I didn't say the thing about the giraffes. That was you. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, George says via contact, uh, it feels like mountains of digital ink have been spilt over the ending of this game. All sides make interesting points, but what's impactful about the choice to me is that right or wrong, Joel makes it because he's grown as a person from where he was back in Boston. If Joel was more selfish, more mercenary, more of a hard man who makes hard decisions, uh, it would be easy to leave Ellie with the fireflies. 
Uh, it's precisely because he has become slightly less self-interested and slightly more willing to open up and have compassion for someone uh, besides himself that he can't bring himself to let Ellie die. Uh, whether his actions were right or wrong, it's the very human values of love and compassion that will doom any chance of a cure. And that's why I think it's such a gut punch of a trolley problem. It's like an overcorrection. Yeah. I, you know? I I don't know that I agree with George because I feel like it's a little bit uh, Joel saying fuck you to people he doesn't know to say to infinite number of people he doesn't know to save one person that he does. Well, and also, I mean, he's kind of saying fuck you to somebody he does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like taking the choice away from from Ellie is not yeah it, an act born of compassion that is not a compassionate act. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, so if, if anything, like I think that like, you know, it's true that is you know, the early Joel would not have done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Joel, you know, who would, it is in some ways more compassionate and in mm-hmm. other ways, like that's what makes it interesting is it's yeah. like simultaneously compassionate and mm-hmm. monstrous. It's, it's funny because it, it talks about growth from the beginning. Like, he, he he does go like right back to the beginning to before the beginning he takes his you know he reclaims his daughter that was taken from him you yeah know? yeah yeah hey free daughter <laughs> um <laughs> uh holland says via contact uh i'm writing this before hearing you guys take on the game so i apologize if i am pissing on your or anyone else's uh hush puppies there's no other i just felt like it should be there um (laughs) the last of us landed like a wet fart for me i ended up not even finishing it which is rare the most damning element in my mind was how visibly scripted it was never has a game that's trying not to look or feel like a game actually looked or felt so much like a game the flagging was incredibly transparent each encounter or conflict felt like a warioware style challenge (laughs) and the traversal felt glaringly staged now, don't get me wrong, I like video games, and I like that video games act like video games. Dark Souls traversal is staged as hell, but that works because it takes pride in it. I think what turned me off was the general naughty dog, at, naughty dog attitude of, we're not Pong, we're interactive films, man. We're an emotional experience. You're really not. You're a series of underwhelming, uncreative challenges, poorly guised in the mask of a cheesy, predictable story. And you're trying to tell me you're not just a video game? Uh, what's that in my pants? Oops, it's a wet fart. Let me check my underwear. Yep, it's spelled out The Last of Us. Fuck. Holland, there's a real word picture there at the end, dude. <laughs> I, I think he was doing an abject suffering intro. That's why I just edited it in the abject suffering yeah, intro. Just, yeah, I don't like the idea of sharding a word. <laughs> that's you know, how that's your gross, body man. tells you things? <laughs> yeah. It's gross. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I had a different experience with it, but I definitely agree that it is gamey as hell. Yeah. And if you don't you have know? patience for that, you don't have patience for it. Yeah. There, yeah. there is a pretension to it. It is mm-hmm. like trying not to be gamey, but you know, again, literally Joel walks up and says, Ugh, you know, I, I can't <laughs> believe, uh, you know, the, here we go again. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the, in the cargo yard where it's like, oh, it looks like we got a fight coming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Sean writes via contact saying, I played the last of us on release and immensely enjoyed it. The beautiful visuals and visceral combat, not to mention the story had me hooked. I'm a sucker for post post apocalyptic fiction in any form. So of course I was swept up in the initial, this game has no faults. 10 out of 10 game of the generation sponsored by Mountain Dew discourse. Obviously this was not true as no game is perfect. And I have since outgrown that mindset. 
However, this game still hit me at the perfect time, uh, and to commemorate it, I had the Firefly logo tattooed on my bicep. Nothing like getting the ta- uh, getting a tattoo of a fake terrorist organization to represent your fandom of a video game. And it wouldn't be my last, quote, last tattoo either. Uh, having played and enjoyed the sequel, maybe more so with the huge swings that the story takes, I had Ellie's in-game tattoo buzzed into my arm. Unoriginality notwithstanding, no regrets. Anyway, fast forward several years. While replaying the remastered version, the intro in Texas hits me like a ton of bricks. My girlfriend at the time and I were just getting over the loss of our unborn child the years prior. While I did not have the same kind of father-daughter relationship Joel had with Sarah, I could still emphasize, uh, empathize uh, with this kind of sudden horrific loss. Uh, During this playthrough, all of the highs and lows of the narrative hit me extra hard, Uh, the moral ambiguity of the ending especially. Uh, I'd like to think that I would be able to put my personal feelings aside for the betterment of humanity, uh, but I don't think that I could. If I were in Joel's shoes and I had to make the decision of saving the human race or saving my surrogate daughter, I can honestly say that I would selfishly choose to doom humanity for someone that I loved. Uh, P.S. I don't think that I could go on the patented Joel murder rampage, though. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry for your loss. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, the, you know, that reminds me of the, the anecdote from the developer where he said, like, you know, he was watching it with his dad and his dad was like, you know, I would do, I wouldn't do that, but I would do it if it was you kids. Yeah. You know, like it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 that's going to be a theme in the next couple of uh, responses uh, that we're going to see, at, at least the, the, the one from, from Doug here. But uh, if this mm-hmm. does, you know, hit different for people who uh, have kids, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I, I believe I believe someone when they say that to me. A pa- when a are they going to make a game for me? The Baron Male. <laughs> um. <laughs> Hello, I'm Baron Male. <laughs> like, when will I be? When will my my uh, fetid loins be represented in games? Nuts and gum together at last. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to make light of, of any of this. I'm no, no. It's just joking because it's sad stuff. Yes. You know, and that's 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 uh, what we do. Uh, but yeah. thank you for sharing. And uh, appreciate I, I appreciate that, that perspective. Uh, Doug says via contact, The Last of Us was a powerful signifier to me that had fundamentally changed after becoming a parent. Upon release in 2013, I loved the game and beat it multiple times through its highest difficulty. My take on its philosophical questions was fairly similar to yours. After my daughter was born, I picked up the PS4 remaster, and despite my familiarity with the game, I couldn't emotionally handle it and had to put down the controller. The game largely turns on how Joel answers the trolley problem. While I could previously empathize with his choice, now I get uh, in my bones why it's the only choice. If my daughter is on the tracks, it's impossible to conceive of anything that would make me choose to run the trolley over her, no matter how massive the damage on the other side. Perhaps Joel dooms the world, though the game gives us no evidence that the Firefly's plan would actually work, or that with a little patience and research, there's a non-lethal way of developing a cure for Ellie. Uh, But uh, he who saves one life saves the world entire. None of this is to criticize your coverage, only to point out that the game looks very different uh, once you become a parent. Yeah. No, I didn't take it as a criticism. It's different yeah. different data that we don't have, you know. Yeah. We, we both have similar life experiences and come from a similar place as childless, you know, adult men. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I can, I can see that making a big difference. Yeah. You know, I, I do not have a child. I'm capable of incredible and deep love. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I even don't know, you know, if you were to take... 
you know, one of my closest friends or family members uh, or, you know, my girlfriend or something and put them on the track, yeah. whether I'd make that choice. You know, it, it is it is easier to make the choice from the outside. I was about to make the joke, uh, a joke about sacrificing you uh, to, to oh. do it, but then I thought, no, that'd probably be pretty bad. That'd be a mean thing to say. Well, and also it'd be, you know, be tough logistically. Oh, true. Yeah. You know, I, I've thought about that before. Like, not... <laughs> You know, not not fantasized about it, but just yeah. been like, what happens? Cool, gets really sick. Like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, and like I, I gotta like, what what would I do? Yeah, what's the future you know? of that? Yeah, yeah. What's huh. the, you know, because it's yeah, it's not a fun thing to think about. No, it's not. So I stop. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, oh God. Uh, and then we have Nico who writes in via Argentina. That this is my periodic reminder that I do like when people let us know where they write from. Um, the mm-hmm. Viva contact versus Viva location uh debate mm-hmm. here but nico writes in i felt compelled to write uh to talk a bit about in my opinion the non-choice that joel uh, uh takes at the end of the last of us uh for years people gave praise to the last of us for last of us for its storytelling uh usually wrapping their praise up with what a great impactful ending it had uh but i remember when i played it through i actually felt quite the opposite Don't get me wrong, the last scene in particular in which Ellie questions Joel and he upholds his lie, and they both implicitly agree to drop the issue and move on, was, in my opinion, a great stepping off point for the game and a great way to close off the character arcs. That being said, the moment where Joel is presented with the, quote, choice felt very, very cheap for me. The fact that Ellie's death is presented as a certainty in order to determine the cause of her immunity reduces the weight of this moment significantly to a simple premise. Uh, The Fireflies are asking Joel to stand by while they kill Ellie. How could that even be a choice for him? By this time, uh, we've known Joel for the full length of the game, basically, uh, and we know that he'll do whatever he deems necessary to keep her alive. It's just a fact. Uh, Think about it. Uh, wouldn't it be so much more powerful if they said it was a 50-50 chance um, and Joel made the same choice? It would color him much uh, it would color, color him a much darker character, perhaps, uh, but it would also have been a real choice with weight and foreseeable consequences. Making it so that they would have to sacrifice Ellie only justifies Joel's morals uh, further in my eyes, denoting that a humanity that goes to such lengths is not one worth saving. All that being said, I still enjoyed it at the time and decided that the final scene was such a good cutoff point uh, that I nev- never found any interest to buy and play the second one. Yeah, so making it you know making it so that it's not like a fifty percent chance about whether or not it will succeed, but a fifty fifty percent chance about whether Ellie will live or die would add much more uh, shade to it. I think make it more ambiguous. Well, yeah, it would definitely make it more ambiguous mm-hmm. as is. Like the way Nico is coming at this from saying that it's, you know, that Joel made the only choice. Mm-hmm. Like knowing that she would die, this is the only choice. And that's something that I, I don't feel, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but it's been interesting to see people talk about it, like in the Slack and such. Um, some people are just like, oh, like, of course you, of course you wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. So, you know, same thing Nico saying, like any society that would sacrifice a girl for medical research mm-hmm. uh, is not worth saving. And I, you know, Got some bad news about the society we're in. <laughs> yeah, sorry, um, but yeah, uh, like it has been done uh-huh. um, quite a bit. Uh, but it just—it's interesting people's personal, you know, moral kind of barometer on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like a fifty-fifty chance would make it more. It would convince people who are on that side 
of things, but it would gild the lily for me. Yeah. Who is like, yeah, humanity is worth one life, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I, I could see how that would, would help in a, a subjective sense. And, but depending on kind of what side you're on. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. things. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, a lot of people, when we were talking in the Slack and a couple of people brought up that there was no guarantee that the, uh, the Firefly solution would work. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not, but it, it kind of has to for the irony of the game to work. Yeah. You yeah. know, like just in the fiction, I think that it is better to assume that it would. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that the choice was literally just meaningless and like there was no reason to make it. Mm-hmm. is not dramatically sound. The, the story is not as absurd as that. Yes. It's it's not, yeah. it's not it, like it, it doesn't play in a space where that would be a possibility every, you know, for as group for as gray as Joel is as a character. And for, you know, the fact that like at the very end, they play with a shared lie, you know, like there are those mm-hmm. ambiguities there. Nothing up to that point has, had been, had been that kind of like playful with the darkness of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, moving on to Outer Wilds responses. Wildly Jacob divisive says, game. <laughs> Wild, <laughs> Outer Wildly divisive. Mm. Uh, Jacob says via contact. Outer Wilds is a game that I really wish I loved, but even after eight or so hours with it, it never truly clicked with me the way it simulated for everyone else. I found the time loop mechanic incredibly restrictive for my preferred method of interaction to the point where it kind of ruined any enjoyment I got out of exploration. The first time I found a new area on, say, the sand planet, only to immediately get crushed and realize I'd have to start another loop to investigate it fully was mildly interesting the 10th time it happened was frustrating i do want to give it another shot though hopefully the second time's a charm maybe um yeah i i had the same experience like there's an asterisk next to my appreciation of outer wilds Mm -hmm. i found it frustrating as an experience like i found it worth it but i also think that that sucked yeah um you know there's a lot of it that i thought kind of sucked I so. fall on the opposite side where I judge you and Jacob, anybody else as a person, if you can't put that aside and well, clearly the game of the year of 2019, yeah, like, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all the people <laughs> on Twitter said so. So it's, you know. I, I obviously don't. I'm just, I, I'm having fun. We've been recording for a long time. I'm being, I'm feeling kind of punchy. Getting um, loopy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is the friction, fri- 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 friction, friction, going to friction. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. For, Forest writes via contact saying there are many things that I loved about outer wilds. Uh, but my favorite is the way that your explicit end goal is hidden until the end of the game. About halfway through my playthrough, I remembered thinking, what am I even trying to do here? What's so cool about our outer wilds is that it had taken me this long to even wonder that. And yet I was still super compelled to keep playing. Most games will set out the end goal from the start, but outer wilds is so intrinsically fun to play that it isn't necessary. Uh, finding the ending is great too. Uh, learning that this truly is the end of the universe is incredible, especially when you notice how much darker the night sky is at the end of the time loop. All you can do is be there when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Also like a, a cilantro thing, mm-hmm. you know, that's like the opposite of the, the last response where, you know, having the goal, you know, is so fun to keep playing mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter that there's a goal versus I know there's a goal here that's worth getting to, but it's mm-hmm. so not fun to play. Yeah. You know, I, I am, I am so invested in the world and the mystery that I'm just going to go along and keep pulling threads until it direct, until it gives me the direction, you know, yeah. I, I can, I'm going to direct myself because this is intrinsically rewarding to me. Yeah. Big, uh, big cilantro. Yeah. 
Uh, Fenraliania, who sponsored the episode, says via contact, Outer Wilds is one of two games that dramatically changed my view of games and how I make them. I consider it to be a perfect game, not that it lacks flaws, but that from a design perspective, it fully explores an idea with no additions or subtractions to the finished game that would have made it better at that. But that's a topic I'm slowly making an entire video essay about. Nice. Uh, I could and would go on and on about my love for the know my history, the characters, the many little details of the world. I truly do love all that. But more than anything, I love how the game unfolds itself exclusively by giving you information. Every time I get new information, my understanding of the story changed dramatically, but it rarely felt like I was missing crucial details, even though I always was. At one point, I found information indicating that the sun station was triggering the supernova, and it all clicked into place. Obviously, I needed to disable this power source uh, that it was talking about, and we'd be saved. I found my way into the Ash Twin Core, opened up the power source, but there was just enough doubt and fear in my mind that I sat, floating, staring at that battery for five minutes before I changed my mind and decided to look for more information. When I boarded the sun station later, the dawning horror of how close I had come to disaster hit me in a way that I didn't expect from a video game. Uh, thank you for covering the game, and I hope it was even a fraction as affecting for you both as it was for me. It was affecting. Yeah. Yeah, great game. Yeah. yeah well, uh, well observed and well played. Yeah. And thank you, you know? for having us play it. You know, I think yeah. that, uh, you know, I, I, I would agree with you. I side with Ben Reliania on the appeal of the game. Uh, we don't need to keep on uh, putting ourselves on one side of the line or the other. Uh, but I, I like the game. Like yeah. it, we don't need to put ourselves like on the, yeah. you know, the, the classic uh, Watch Out for Viral showdown of like, like and respect versus love. You know? <laughs> yep. Uh, th this did remind me, though, you know, uh, with Fenriliana talking about how the game, you know, kind of gets does most of what it does by providing by providing more information as a reward for the things mm -hmm. that you do. A little bit of errata that was brought to our attention later that neither of us noticed. Uh, the reason why your rumor tracker holds information between runs um, is because the uh, the ship's computer uh, is based off of no my technology. Um, and so was able to withhold, you know, keep the information between, you know, quantumly or what have you. Uh, like if you look at it, it specifically like is designed, there's like a chunk of no, my stuff kind of attached to it. So that is like the in, yeah. in game narrative reason for why it is held over. It's a, I find that really flimsy. Like, I yeah. think that is what they were doing, but mm -hmm. like, Oh, nobody talks about it, but we built a computer out of this ancient civilizations thing that we built to transcend time loops. We don't know that there are time loops, <laughs> but we built something that uses this. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, by, it's, by it's accident. Fine. It's, it's, it does this. It's, it's still an artifice. It's yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's good that they, they said something about it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Joshua says via contact. Oh, no, this is you. This is me. Joshua says via contact. For me, Disco Elysium and Outer Wilds were two of the most important releases of 2019. While wildly different in terms of gameplay and scope, they both use a central mystery as a hook to pull you through a world facing the end of all things on a micro and macro scale, respectively. Uh, they are both masterpieces, but if I had to pick one that I favor, Outer Wilds speaks to me a little more directly. Disco Elysium is an immensely sad game because it lives squarely at the present moment, on the precipice of the abyss just moments before society dives into that deep dark. It's impossible not to despair before that plunge. Outer Wilds takes a longer and larger view of things, and though its characters face an even worse and irreversible cataclysm, the game has a much more hopeful and optimistic tone. I've always uh, taken great comfort in the impermanence of things. 
Uh, sure, that means the good times are fleeting, but so are the bad times. Watching Outer Wilds characters uh, play out the end of the world um, and usher in the new one that, they, uh, that they'd never uh, even seen uh, spoke to that part of me. Uh, because even the end of the world... Uh, the end of the universe even isn't permanence. Everything in society could sink into the deepest shade of Mad Max Fury Road flavored black, uh, and there would still be a peak after that valley. Even if humanity is wiped out, life continues regardless. Everything ends, but everything changes even in the end. Uh, so there is always some glimmer of hope, even if that hope isn't meant for us. Yeah, I. This is this is the philosophical like you know, underpinning that kind of separates this, you know, we, after we did this episode, I talked a lot in the Slack with a bunch of people mm -hmm. about this and me trying to figure out why I was slightly colder on this game than, than everyone else. Yeah. And this is, this is part of it. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't believe that. Like, I, I think the life will probably be just fine, but the idea that there has to be something new, mm -hmm. like that there can't be an end is something that I don't, that's a matter of faith. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that would be the case. Mm -hmm. And, anything taking a long view quite this this big i have a really hard time finding comfort in it becomes um, kind of a, a you run up against the rule of large numbers where it becomes impossible yeah. to comprehend yeah yeah always going to care about boots on the ground you know yeah. like the, the people who, who are now and it just i don't take a lot of comfort from things that i that are so far after i'm, I'm going to be there and also i don't necessarily think you know that there will be a peak after that valley yeah. You know, who knows, mm -hmm. right? But I can conceive of, you know, there not being life. Yeah. It's not it's not like you're casting a vote saying that it's not going to happen and that's going to make it going to make it so. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. have a doomsday laser. Yeah. Um the uh yeah, but I I that seems to be like the philosophical underpinning whether you find this like very optimistic or mm -hmm. and in a way that speaks to you or you find it optimistic in a way that does not reflect you know, humanity yeah, enough. Yeah. And, and for me, I didn't see a lot of humanity in this. Mm -hmm. Like I don't see a lot of people reflected in these Muppets. Like yeah. this kind of these, this is a very aspirational game. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a game about how the developers wish people were Yeah, as opposed to how, and Disco Elysium is a game about how people actually are Yeah, uh, in a way that I think, you know, flipped that, that dichotomy for me, mm -hmm. but that's, obviously 100% subjective. Yeah. I would like it if people were more curious mm -hmm. and everything. Uh, they're not, no. I don't think. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. You know, and even though I, you know, am more warm on, uh, outer wilds, the New York area, I think that I, I do ultimately come down on the disco Elysium side of things. If it is kind of like a choice, if we have to fight the Pokemon, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm mm -hmm. going to bet on disco Elysium. Uh, I also, I, I would, without getting into spoilers i think that the what disco elysium ends on actually is pretty hopeful for the broader state of things like it is on oh, the yeah. precipice but there there there's enough of a hint that things are you know not always going to be progressing towards whatever you know to to to, to, to towards the void that you think it is yeah well and you know and that game cares really really deeply about the people who exist in on the precipice yes which is something that Outer Wilds doesn't like Disco Elysium has more in common with um, Night in the Woods mm -hmm. with that respect in terms of like big existential games, you know, in the Night of the Woods, like at the end of everything, hold on to anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, Outer Wilds doesn't feel like it's about that. It's kind of more like there is no end of any everything mm -hmm. because, 
you know, where there will always be this kind of future. It doesn't matter, you know, it's time for something new now. It doesn't matter that you're not there to see it. Yeah. And the act of holding on to what's on the precipice is just, you know, touches my heart a lot more. Yeah. yeah. You know, love that precipice. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, but they're both valid readings. It's just, you know, just yeah. very subjective. They're going to resonate differently for different people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matthew says via contact. I could talk about the Outer Wilds for hours. It feels like every piece of information you learn or area that you explore is rich with intrigue and thoughtfulness. So I'll briefly outline some of my standout moments from the game. First, I landed on the quantum moon by accident, kinda. Uh, I knew you had to be able to see the quantum objects for them to stay in position, but I couldn't understand why I couldn't just fly into it. I'm looking right at it. As a joke, I shot my probe at it and took a picture, figuring that I was double looking at it now (laughs) and not expecting it to work. Uh, Expecting to fly right through the moon and back into space. Instead, I ended up on the surface of this bizarre world. This is probably my favorite moment in the game, and I wish I had a camera on my face because I was pretty sure my mouth was agape and stunned silent. (laughs) Second, uh, I can't do scary stuff, and the anglerfish gave me actual panic attacks while I was trying to navigate Dark Bramble. It's some of the scariest stuff I've experienced, and this is not a horror game. So, well done, devs. This is one of my all-time favorite games. I'm glad you covered it. Cheers. (laughs) I love that the game called your bluff on the double looking at it thing. Well, I do. Do we ever figure out why just looking at it doesn't lock it in place? I'm sure there's a reason um, that has to do with like the cloud cover or something like that, but uh, it doesn't sure. doesn't explicitly say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, because if you're flying directly yeah. at it, you're going to be looking at it because it's right in front of you. Kind of can't mm-hmm. look at it unless you close your eyes. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Mm. Um, yeah, thank you, yeah. Uh, Matthew. Thank you. Uh, Cinder writes NVA Contact saying, Early in my playthrough, before figuring out how to reach the probe tracking module at the core of Giant's Deep, I tried following the probe in my ship. After a few failed attempts, I managed to follow the probe out of the solar system. I lodged my ship into the probe in such a way that uh, that I felt safe that I wouldn't disconnect and float off, uh, with the cockpit pointed in the direction that we were traveling. Uh, so that I could see the probe arrived, uh, so I could see if the probe arrived somewhere. After that, I could walk around my ship freely, uh, letting the probe do the rest. During that journey, I used the signal scope to keep track of how far away that the solar system had gotten. Uh, and I used the map to see, uh, where we were located in relation to it. I soon noticed that our trajectory arced downward on the map. We never reached any destination. By the time the sun supernovaed, I could see that uh, we had completely swung around and were now directly under the sun, seven, oh wait, 720,000 kilometers away uh, from the nearest planet. Uh, the supernova never actually reached me before the cycle reset. Instead, my screen started shrinking and fraying at the edges, and then I woke by the fire. A non-standard ending. Yeah. Yeah. The alone in space ending. Yeah. It's scary. Mm. Yeah. It's fun to stumble on that kind of shit. I didn't do that. I just saw that you could. Yeah. So it was fun to read about, but also it'd be fun to experience as well. Yeah. I, I, I thought about trying it, but I figured that the probe would be moving so fast that I wouldn't be able to catch up to it. Like yeah. re- relativistically. Yeah. 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 Uh, Mitch says via contact. I really wanted to like this game more than I did. 
On paper, it's an interesting concept, fun exploration mechanics, hectic moment-to-moment action, and an engaging metaphysical story. In action, however, I felt increasingly frustrated about the time constraint. I wanted to go to a planet and get lost. I wanted to find weird shit and take time to really think about it. The game wants you to do that, but to me, it never felt like it allowed you to do that. There was nothing more frustrating uh, going to a place at the wrong time and realizing you'll have to start a run over. In the beginning, it was interesting. In the end, I just picked up a walkthrough to finish finding the interesting stuff. I really liked the story they were telling, but at the end, it just felt like a walking sim with more friction. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, again, uh, that's a, a valid psychographic response mm-hmm. to, uh, to the outer wilds. I can understand um, it. Yeah. Something that I was, uh, uh, thinking about with this, um, with Fenrelianas, Fenrelianias, uh, response was that, you know, the thing that you get in this game is information, mm-hmm. you know, like all of the, the t- are just new information. And my perspective is the way this does it is better than a game such as like her story, which is also just about what you know. Yeah. You know, uh, but it this seems like that is a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. You know, adding those extra little steps and stuff like that can actually be detrimental as well. Yeah. You know, I can see it. So I can see it. Yeah. yeah. Um, rounding out here with Gordon, uh, he writes NBA Contact, uh, saying, I'm going to come right out and say it. I think Outer Wilds is the greatest adventure game ever made. You go from being lost and bewildered to achieving such total understanding of the system that accidentally losing your ship doesn't stop you hopping between planets. Uh, that is one of the greatest progressions I've ever experienced, and it's all done by increasing player knowledge. The staggeringly, the staggering level of interconnectedness uh, in this game is probably tickling the right parts of my soul's lobe. Uh, but the fact that all of these connections are hidden in plain sight highlights just how clever the designers are. Uh, and what other game would accidentally falling into a black hole not kill you, but instead guide you towards learning to use the planetary the planetary teleport system? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the great, really good moment, great touch. Yeah, um, I don't think it's you know, uh, there's there's a, a spellcasting one hundred one number three in terms of greatest adventure games ever made. So <laughs> close, but no cigar. Spellcasting one hundred one on number three. What? I, I was just trying to think of an obscure adventure game. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, the Spellcasting 101 series. Okay. Uh, the Simon the Sorcerer 3. Okay, yeah. Uh, you know, I was just joking. Joking. <laughs> mm. uh. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, thank you, Jordan, or Gordon, rather. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you. If you have things to say about next month's games, you still have time. Hit us up at duckfeed.tv slash contact to talk to us about Trauma Center, Under the Knife, or Trauma Center's Second Opinion. Yes. Not Under the Knife. The Magic Circle, or Shadow of Mordor. Mm-hmm. Get them Urix. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the deadline for that uh, is, oh, God, March the 15th. Sorry, I am mm-hmm. already losing track of what month it is. Um, if you have thoughts about April's games, uh, the deadline is April the 15th. Again, duckfeed.tv slash contact. Gary, do we want to announce what those are, or do we want to leave it to the do ARG it folks? In a cipher. Mm. Uh, the first game we're covering, we're doing a two-parter. Uh, two-parter in the beginning of the month. Pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are finally covering Divinity Original Sin 2. Yeah. 
I feel so Divinity Original Sin 2 has come up a lot, I think, because we've we've known this is coming down the road. And also, you know, just I feel like we've just been making reference to it because it's it's on the plate. Same thing with what we're covering after that. I feel like I've made mm-hmm. a lot of mention uh, to a particular game recently because uh, I'm thinking about it. After we do the two-parter on Divinity Original Sin 2, uh, we're going to be playing Mist 2, Riven, the sequel to Mist. Yeah. Uh, what a gear shift. <laughs> that is going to be like completely different types of games Yeah. after that. And then as a palate cleanser, the premium episode for that is going to be Ratchet and Clank into the Nexus. Yes. Will it be as heady and intellectual as Riven? Mm-hmm. Time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes. someday i'll get sick of that joke but right mm. now i'm still pretty into it is that a joke or is that just a construction that she used over and over again well i i think that the joke is that i'm taking things that by no means will engender oh. as much conversation right right you know uh time will not tell because i feel like it seems pretty obvious that ratchet and clank right, right. Will right. Not, you're, you're, not you're, that's gonna be a good episode but right you know, uh, I, I, no, it's it's been a while since I played a Ratchet and Clank game, and uh, you don't learn the language of the Clanks. You, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Planet of the Clanks. Sorry, yeah. feel the rhythm of the Clanks. Um, so yeah, uh, that's going to be our premium episode for that month, which means everybody gets the generalities, but uh, patrons get the full episode, mm-hmm. um, similar to Shadow of Mordor and Outer Wilds. Yes, um, become a patron. patreoncom TV. Please do. Um, you get extra, you get the full versions of those episodes. You get um, uh, thanked at the beginning of episodes. You get uh, things like whole other bonus shows. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's about it. I think so. You know? Ratings or reviews, telling your friends. Yeah. Yeah, we, we appreciate everyone who does those things. Yes. Um, yeah, and until next time, go Team Venture. Go Team Venture. <laughs>